and welcome everybody to Respawn, Aim, Fire, the kick-ass, irreverent gaming podcast from Idiotas Afabales. This is episode 170, One Siete Cero. Y'all, we've been alive a very long time, and we are very, very happy to talk all about how we did not play Ghost of Tsushima this week. But before we get to not playing Ghost of Tsushima this week, <laughs> I'm Chad Michaelinis. We've got our other host here, Holden DePardo. Oh, Hi, that's me. That's me. It's me right here. <laughs> that's me. That's me. And we've got the dreamiest fan base of all time joining us from all over the world right now. Like these three Yuhas in the chat. Is Yuha Yuha is not offensive? Is that offensive? Yuha? I don't know. I wonder if that's like a slur made up against Southern people. I don't know. <sighs> anyway, every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, you if, can you get, if we find games. out it is, we take we take it back. We do. We take it back. I will. Ret I am retroactively taking it back right now from the future. If it's offensive, if it's not, I'm doubling down. Y'all are a bunch of yuhas. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so welcome. Every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern, you can put us in your ears uh, with your favorite podcast service, or you can put us in your eyeballs. What if I stare straight into the camera like this for the rest of the episode? Uh, that's right. We've gone to the third dimension with 2D video. Oh, yeah. And if you want to add the fourth dimension of time, just like DF and Smitty, Porkchop, 118YT, and Matt from RI in the chat, you can watch us live on twitch.tv slash affableidiots every Sunday night at about 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, just like we're doing right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Affable Idiots, but we will tell you about that later. Here's what we're talking about today, you guys. We're talking about not playing Ghost of Tsushima. We're talking about <laughs> Dr. Disrespect. We're talking about PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. And uh, we're also going to start by talking about what we did play, which again was not Ghost of Tsushima. So going into playtime, Holden, you've got a couple of things here that I have seen you play before. Tell me more about them. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to mention just about Ghost of Tsushima really quickly because everyone is right. We we both haven't played Ghost of Tsushima. I can't wait to play it. I'm very excited to play it. Everything I've heard has basically said it's the open world sensibilities of Breath of the Wild with kind of you know a Sekiro inspiration, and that just sounds like heaven to me because if you go to the GG app hashtag at GG app or whatever you say, whether He's kids say hashtag too, the so apps or this whatever, one not, this one not GG app. Well. My, 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 I have a list of my top 10 favorite games right now. And number one and two is Breath of the Wild and Sekiro. So I can't wait to play Ghost. But the reason I'm not doing it yet is because i got to play Paper Mario. Talk about that in a second. And i got to play Table Anniversary. And I don't want to rush Ghost. Based on what it's t sounding like, I, I want to really enjoy that and not have to worry about getting through it super quickly so I can beat Fable Anniversary in time. So I, I, I'm going to play that, and I can't wait to play it. We just got to have some time. But... We'll both share thoughts on Paper Mario. We'll get there. I played Ninjala in Splatoon. Here's here's the story of Ninjala. I figured let's do one more game night with a Nintendo night with Ninjala just to get a second chance to try it again, see if it's any better. Um, you texted me that night and said like, "Hey, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. like, you don't want to. I don't blame you." And then Alex said the same exact thing. And I'm like, "Well, maybe some people will show up." Um, Matt Matt from RI is the one who showed up. We played for like 15 minutes, and then said, do I play Splatoon? And we just jumped right into Splatoon. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm done with Ninjala. I wanted to give it one more chance. I'm done. It's uh, not, uh, yeah, not, it's 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 not terrible. It's just remarkably not great. So it's not worth playing. I don't know. It just, it's it's not special. 
Do we have um, a replacement so already lined up for though. Nintendo Nights going forward in this month? I'm going to do Splatoon for the next two weeks. Okay. And then we'll switch back because it's the closest thing. Ninjala is kind of closest thing to that. And then we'll do another poll for for August. Um, but here's the thing I want to mention about Ninjala. Even though it's got a lot of problems with the menus, it still handles online play better than most Nintendo games <laughs> because you can it's at least so join a party and then introduce like other people from the public into your into your party. That's crazy. That Ninjala of all games can pull that off, but like Smash Bros. can't really do that very effectively splatoon can't do that really effectively mario kart we learned actually can do it effectively um but it's still kind of archaic in how it handles some online stuff it's just it's a mess it's it's a mess um but and then if you play play splatoon 2 that's a great game awesome game but you can put his paper mario the origami king let's run through all your games first okay and then we'll talk about paper mario origami king I want to start by saying Ghost of Tsushima. I almost bought it on Saturday, which is yesterday. I almost bought it. Like, I was this close seeing everyone online playing it, and I was like, I want to at least just, like, get a taste of it, just to see if it's going to be as much not my game as I think it's going to be. Um, But then I realized we have two weeks, or, like, really, like, a week and a half, maybe, to beat Fable before the end of the month, before we have to record our episode. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm already doing Paper Mario. I'm doing Fable. We're obviously going to Warbone and play Destiny as well this week. I've got, I've got to devote some time. So I'm thinking that I might pick up Ghost of Tsushima around the beginning of August. I'm thinking that. So calm down, everyone okay, in the cool. chat. The people saying, it's July 19th, <laughs> 2020, the name of our Lord and still no ghost. Come on. Ugh. Yeah, so I, I, so I might be I might be dipping my toe in that water in the next couple weeks. We briefly discussed this off the podcast, but like, is the reason to not want you're not interested in it is the Breath of the Wild comparisons? Like, what is it about the? Uh, the I think to you? I'm just curious. I think we I don't remember where we discussed this. Maybe it was on a game night or something like that. But I remember having a discussion with a group of people, and it was like, yeah, I just don't think open world games are my jam. Like your traditional open world, okay. especially where there's like so much to do or there's like no real direction on what to do. Um, like I don't think those are traditionally my jam outside of things like Spider-Man or Infamous where like there's a limited number of things and you have interactions everywhere, but there's also like yeah. a central storyline and that kind of stuff. I just don't think those are my jam. Mm-hmm. And then also hearing the, the comparisons to Sekiro and the combat. And I was like, Sekiro was just, it was too hard for me. It was too much for me. And then hearing like the people saying, "Shut up! You did <laughs> not convert me." Again. They're saying they converted me. He's buying ghosts in the chat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I converted myself. Damn it! Uh, yeah, and then the, yeah, the Sekiro combat. I'm a fan of Dark Souls, but I think that's like the the edge of it. And then hearing everybody's experience, even Matt saying like, "I'm playing on normal," and this is already kicking my ass in the first ten minutes. I'm like, I don't know if that's exactly what I want from this experience especially if i'm getting to these things to do that by like a fox leading me by whispering in my ear or something like that like i'm that's not <laughs> it's not sounding like yeah. it's my jam but i i want to give it a try just because everyone's loving it i want to be cool yeah, I, hear you. I hear you uh so here's a couple of things i did play well slash let's start with one i didn't play gta online just to convince myself <laughs> That I'm not missing out on this one. I was really curious. People have been bugging us. People being Brent have been bugging us to play GTA Online. So I was like, fine, you guys play it. 
and I will share your screen or I will watch your stream to just to make sure that like if this is something that I like, I will buy it and I will play it with you. If it's not, and I'm like, cool. I, I don't feel like I'm missing out anymore. And I do not feel like I'm missing out on anything anymore in that game. I now <laughs> like seeing them play it, like literally watching for hours. Nothing against nothing against them and the fun that they had with it, but me watching it and like what they were doing is like all the stuff that people talk about in open world games like, oh my god, yeah, and then you went around this corner and like uh, something happened, it was crazy, and I looked at this guy on the street and he cowered and I like punched him in the butthole and like, all this is like, cool, but like that game you did nothing. Like I, I watched you for three hours and you did literally nothing. <laughs> you ran around, smashed up some cars. I watched Matt fire head on into traffic about six times. Um, that was but, hilarious. I was there for that part. That was uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's that's great that y'all had a fun time doing that. That's not what I am looking for in video games. Um, tennis. So that was that we also played tennis, and he's right, and that's right. Where I left. They did play tennis. <laughs> they did play tennis, and. That was just as fun as all the other stuff. But the end of it, they played, uh, they did races. <laughs> and there were some pretty cool races, like through hamster tubes in the sky and shit like that. It was like, okay, if this was its own downloadable standalone thing, I might, I would possibly get into this for 10 seconds. But uh, yeah, I no longer worry or wonder about GTA Online for sure. I'm going to let you guys have that one and tell me all about it in your own words. 250 characters or less. Um, next up, Ringford Adventure. It is official. We have our small group. There's like seven of us. Uh, we're gonna be doing probably like a monthly check-in as a group of setting goals, talking about our experience with it, uh, celebrating each other's successes. The first one of those is probably coming this week. Uh, that's really exciting. So keep an eye out for new, new content around that. It won't be on our regular stuff, like on our regular show. It'll be its own separate thing. Playing more Fable Anniversary, because that's our backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends game, Barf. Um, I played this as a kid when it came out on Xbox, the original Xbox, and I have not touched it since. I remember loving it, and I'm having a pretty good time with it so far. Find out more about that in about two weeks. <laughs> that was the, I'm going to have a caveat when we talk about it on Barf. <laughs> that sounded like. <laughs> and then we both played Paper Mario, the Origami Killer, Heavy Rain 2. <laughs> and <laughs> um, uh, how far this game is not really a game you can have spoilers about. Um, it's a it's no. a very very light role playing game in the Mario universe, like Paper Mario. Um, how far are you in this? I just beat the Red Ribbon boss, and I started on Autumn Mountain. Where are you in it? We are in the same exact place. Great. Literally so we the can same have, exact place. Perfect. We can have discussion about all the same stuff. You're not going to spoil anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no spoilers to be had anyway. But generally, I'm I'm pretty much liking it. I went into it thinking that, okay, the combat's going to be cool, but I don't know how I'll feel about the story and, and all of that kind of stuff. But I am having a pretty good time with it. Obviously, not as good of a time as everyone else seems to be having with Ghost of Tsushima, but I'm enjoying it so far. What are your overall thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm really liking it. Um, the first two hours or so was really rough, though. Not because the game is bad, but because it holds your hand way too much for the tutorials. Yeah. Like, holy shit. It's like, hey, I'm going to tell you how to do X, Y, and Z. And you do X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, hey, I got one more thing to tell you. It's still X, Y, and Z. I'm going to tell you about X, Y, and Z again. So do it again. And it's like, are you really going to walk me through the menus again, even though you just did that? Like, holy crap. Um, and in those first two hours, too. I was too. about to say, I was about to end it. 
Yeah. I, I feel like right. in those first two hours, too, like, you only have, like, maybe two battles, two fights. And you're right. It, it actually walks you through exactly yeah. how to beat those battles as you're doing it. And then you don't have one for a little bit. And I'm like, really? Yeah, it, it's a really bad... I, I would say the first two hours are, are bad. Maybe if you don't play games a lot or you're new to games, it's nice to have that whole thing in there. But, like, as someone who's been playing games for a long time, it was really frustrating. I wish I could have just said, hey, I got it. You don't need to tell me that again. But then after that, I agree really great time it's very charming it's i think i said this in our group chat but it's the for me it's the perfect thing to play after the last of us part two where it's like that game was brutal heart-wrenching it made me question everything about life and the world around me and it's like now i'm like i just want to play something that's smiley where i i stomp on koopa, koopa heads because you know the bad koopas are bad i, I want to just do something simple and they're and folded soldiers like that <laughs> they're folded soldiers yes um i want to do all that before i Go to Ghost because Ghost could be heavy too. For all I know, I have no idea. Uh, so it's it's just nice to have a really charming game like that. I think that the um, the battle system is really straightforward, but I can see how it's getting more complicated, and I'm getting more excited to keep playing the game. It it does a good job of kind of feeling like a little puzzle every time you battle. Like basically, like when it is, you're in the middle of an arena. And there are many rings that surround you and you have to line up the enemies along those rings. So there's either a group of four people together or in a two by two grid or there's just a, a, a line of four enemies. I um, mean, use the boots to jump on them if it's a line hammer, if they're all grouped up in the two by two grid. Um, and it, it is very, very cool kind of how you have to like look and Essentially, okay, like, you know, if I move them this way, if I slide, if I rotate, like, there's definitely enough things that you, you kind of have to think, not too hard, it's, they're not super hard puzzles yeah. so far, but just enough to keep me engaged. And the time limit on it, too, like, makes you bothered. makes you feel like, oh my god, I'm a little bit rushed, and I'm, like, I'm freaking out, I gotta do this so quickly. Yeah. And there are a few areas I came to where, like, it's like, like an optional kind of area to go to, and there was an enemy there, and that battle encounter was more complicated, and so I had so I had to think a little bit more, and I actually ended up having to use the like add extra coins to keep the time going because I'm like, wait a second, I need to reassess this. Um, so like, I kind of like they seem to have good, um, I don't mean accessibility options in like you know accessibility needs way, but they they have they have good accessibility options to kind of if it's to make it appeal to a broader audience, you can just kind of like help yourself out. Yeah, they do a really good job with that, I think, because you can ignore ignore it if you want to, or you can um, you can deal with or you can just deal with the um, challenge in quotations because it's not really challenging but i think but i think you're gonna get what i mean um I, yeah i like it yeah i starting out with like the art design i think like looking at this game is beautiful and the paper craft of it all it reminds me a lot of tearaway but it's mm -hmm. it's a little bit more of a nintendo-y polished type look i think it's really interesting how they they blend yeah. this like origami folded art style with like the stark difference of the sticker looking uh characters of people who aren't folded uh, they do that really well, along with some like real-world objects, like the pencils, missiles, and things like that. I think that's super cool, and it's beautiful to look at. I find myself laughing so hard at all the stupid toads and all the things that they say when you when you rescue them, and there are <laughs> hundreds of them to rescue. They're all over the freaking place, and every so single one of them many. I laugh so hard at. It's they yeah the the toads are hilarious. I love. First of all, have you got the ability that you can kind of like pinpoint where they are and it kind of has yeah, a little, with a little radar hat? It's when you're getting close to one. Yeah. There are some where I'm like, really? There's one around here? Where? Yeah. Where could they possibly be? I even picked be? up, I bought the little like, bell where it will well ring 
whenever you whenever you're nearby one as well so you know and it's it's like every 10 yeah. steps there's a toad somewhere so i'm loving i'm mm-hmm. loving that aspect of it. that's so much fun yeah. the gameplay like and the writing is all really really cute and and hilarious to me i love just like talking to everybody it's not a nuisance to talk to people like it is in pokemon like pokemon sword and shield to me is where i don't give a shit mm-hmm. about what you're saying whereas in this everything people are saying is so witty and funny and fun like i i actually want to pay attention to the conversations the gameplay is the only part like the the combat the battle is the only part that i'm a little left wanting with and it's i think part of it is because it is most most of the difficulty of the combat is based around puzzles which we all know that i have a thing about puzzles um and they're they're, right now they're light enough to be like i don't really give a shit in fact it it was several hours before i even know what knew what it looked like for an enemy to attack me because some of those puzzles were yeah and i was like Yep. Okay, they they taught me how to defend very early on, but I didn't have to use it for hours. Um, but then the puzzles, as they start getting harder and things like that, it's just like I don't want to work my brain like that and and think about that kind of things, uh, those kind of things. Like especially the boss battles. So boss battles are really cool in that they are different, where you're on the outside working your way to the center, and you can do it with a series of arrows pointing in different directions, picking up different things along the way, and then attacking at just the right spot. Uh, so that's, that's about as hard as I want the puzzles to get so far, which are the first two boss battles, but I know they're going to get harder than that. But I'm, I'm a little put off by the, the lack of a progression system. Like it's an RPG, but you don't get experience. You don't level anything up. Mm -hmm. You can get some like extra weapons, like shiny shoes that do more damage or, uh, iron boots that let you stomp on spiked enemies, that kind of thing. But you're not leveling up skills. You are getting accessories, which kind of augment your experience as well. Um, which then makes me start, I'm getting to the point now where I want to run past enemies in the open world rather than running, because it's, it's like Chrono Trigger style where they're on the open world and you run into them and then you battle. Uh, so I'm I'm starting to get to the point where like, if I battle you, I don't get anything but this from this, but coins. And I don't really have a lot that I want to spend coins on right now. So why fight you? So I feel like I'm being turned off from fighting, like mm-hmm. discouraged from fighting because there's no experience system. There's no upgrade system. So uh, once maybe I get to a point where like, oh, there's shit that I want to buy with coins that I can't afford yet. Better shoes, whatever it is, then maybe I'll start fighting. But I'm starting I'm starting to get to that point where like, cool, the gimmick of the system is starting to wear, the combat system is starting to wear off on me. And I'm just, I'm ready to move past it to get to whatever the next objective is. Especially in right, right before, before you get to the like Earth Dungeon kind of place, the Earth Elemental or something like that, whatever yeah. it's called, um, and you have to wander around and find those stones. Especially there, where you go back to an area, it's like, oh, there's an enemy I fought before. It's like, well, but I don't have to fight him, so right. like, let me just run away instead. Like it, it's very, very easy to do that. Um, yeah, and they have things like you can level up your health and that kind of stuff. But yeah, like the iron boots, the the shiny boots, I'm pretty sure they break. They do, so you, yeah. you don't even really want to use them that often. I've had the iron boots breaking me, but I haven't used the shiny ones enough yet. And something too is is that if you can time your attacks well enough when you're battling, you don't really need to use the shiny stuff. At least where we we are in the game, you can generally defeat most things in one hit as long as you're getting excellent um, on every attack you do. You pretty much kill everything in one hit. It's not you. You have to practice to get excellent though. I don't think it's like you have to. So there's basically a, one of the toad houses in the main toad town you can go there you can practice your moves and you right. can kind of get the timing down once you get the timing down really easy just to power through enemies but i'm because that difficulty i'm starting to see it increase 
I'm curious how much it escalates because the game does very much feel like it's a like for Nintendo, it's a family game. So I, I can't imagine it's going to get that much harder. But I also don't have experience with Paper Mario franchise. Franchise. This is this is going to ask you. You do have experience with Paper Mario, right? No, I played like the first one for a couple hours, and that's it. But I, I'm like okay, obviously right. I like yeah, Super, Mario RPG, Super Mario RPG, which is like this whole series is a spiritual successor to. But this is much less RPG than yeah. Super Mario RPG was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to keep playing it though. Yeah, it's fun. I definitely think I definitely think I'm gonna finish it for sure. But I'm having I'm having a good time yeah. with it. Much more of a good time than I would with <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> JK, let's move on to our quest log, starting with our fetch quest. Speaking of Ghost of Tsushima, it comfortably beats Paper Mario to number one, says Christopher Dring at GamesIndustry.biz. In fact, it sold four times more than Paper Mario did this weekend. <clears throat> so shout out to Ghost. Probably has something to do with maybe four times the install base as well. Uh, but also, it just looks like a dope game that everyone wants to play. Next up, Lego Entertainment. This team was marketed like crazy. It, it was, yeah. And Paper Mario just wasn't anywhere. Yeah, and, and it's like also Mario it's not like a it's so not much. like a mainline game in in a series that people are used to and love. Yeah, yeah. Well, neither is Ghost. But next up, we've got the Lego Nintendo Entertainment System is officially unveiled. Says Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. So yes, there is a a Lego set. To build an actual NES, not an actual because it doesn't work, but to build a Lego replica of a Nintendo Entertainment System, the controller, a game cartridge that goes in it, and then a CRT TV. You can build an old CRT TV. Uh, goes on sale for the usual Lego markup value of $230 on August 1st, 2020. That's the thing about Legos, man. Is it like they make so much cool shit. I go to the store, I go to Target, and I see all the Harry Potter, Hogwarts, and all this kind of stuff on it. And it's like, it's so expensive. For just a bunch of colored bricks. Mm-hmm. But I want it. Because it's like, hey, pay a lot of money for this toy that you have to make. We're not going to make it for you. <laughs> right? You don't have to pay the laborers in China to build this toy for me. Why am I paying the markup? <laughs> Next up, we have two stories that are related and contradictory. <laughs> Starting with <laughs> Uncharted Movie Has Started Filming, says Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. Based on a tweet, or sorry, an Instagram post. From Nathan Drake himself, Tom Holland, saying, Uncharted, day one, with a picture of his chair on set. Turns out, that's not real. <laughs> the Uncharted movie <laughs> is not shooting just yet, but the team is, quote, hoping to start soon, says Austin Wood at Games Radar. So despite Tom Holland's tweet, or, or uh, Instagram post, which nobody really understands how or why he's on set or looking at that chair because they're not filming yet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it looks like this movie is still not happening. Uh, sorry, that's me inserting my own bias. I don't think this movie's ever going to happen. And this is one step further towards it not happening. Uh, but Sony is looking to get production started as soon as possible. Uh, they don't have a date yet, though. Hey, they, they do have a chair for Tom Holland. That's closer they than do. ever come. We know they have a chair, and they're confident enough that he's going to stick with the project that they put his name on it. So... <laughs> they can't make any more chairs. This is it. They don't have a chair with the director's name, or at least we haven't seen that yet, because they've gone through five of those. So they were like, well, let's wait and see until maybe day four, if he's still here, we'll give him a chair. There's just a warehouse with four director chairs. Like, <laughs> no. I'm not going to do this. I guess. 
All right, next up, Dreams wins Game of the Year at Games for Change 2020, says Will Harrison at PlayStation Lifestyle. It also won the most innovative game. And you know what? I kind of agree with that. I'm not a, I'm not a Dreams person. I have not dabbled in Dreams. I don't have an interest in making my own games like that. But like seeing the shit that people are doing with that game blows my mind that it's like a consumer product that you can buy off the shelf for 60 bucks and get into with a DualShock controller. Yeah. That's it threatened dope. Nintendo. It did. It Nintendo threatened them. Threatened they came with a cease and desist and said, take this shit down. Mario is mine. <laughs> Speaking of Mario's mine, I don't know. I don't remember seeing this in here. Did you see the story about um, paper? how the people in Origami King were not allowed to make like characters based on Mario characters? They had to make something completely original. Yeah. Like they couldn't make I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. It's so weird that they have those restrictions on it. So for anyone who hasn't and seen they, this... For Mario games, it, it, this is whatever studio was making this. I think it was, um, I can't remember the name of them. But whatever studio was making this, they don't have permission to put spins on certain Mario c characters. Like they couldn't have like Bowser in a different like paper themed like villain role, or they couldn't have like a traditional Koopa or a Goomba or something like that doing something completely different. They had to make completely unique characters, which is where all the stationery, like, oh, we're a case of colored pencils, or I'm a stapler. Like, they had to make other things because Nintendo does not allow its developers to create new characters in the Nintendo universe anymore. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating, especially because it just they have so much. They care about that property a lot. I remember when Ubisoft was making. Uh, um, Rabbids. Yeah, the Rabbids game. They said, you can make a Mario game, but you can't jump. Like, that was on the stipulation. Oh, like, they jumping are has very to feel Mario-like. Mario Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's so crazy. Uh, moving on to free No Man's Sky. Sorry, trying to read this and also make sure I don't spill water everywhere. It's so difficult. Um... <laughs> Free No Man's Sky Desolation Update brings science fiction horror, says Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. Holden, do you know more about this? Slash, do you are you excited about this? I am excited about this. I've only seen the trailer for it, but I haven't done it myself yet. But basically, there are going to be freighters that are abandoned in space, and you can go into them and get resources on an abandoned freighter. But there's like spooky aliens and stuff on there, and you have to shoot. No, oh, I hope it's just like it Dead actually space. looks kind of cool. God, I want it Dead Space. I want, dead, I want Dead Space more than this, to be clear. Um, but this does have a as much as No Man's Sky could mimic Dead Space. Like when you're in the abandoned freighter, like you can only you can only see the the cone of your flashlight, like little things like that. And I'm sure no matter what it is you're doing or you need on there, you don't have the resources necessary, and you've got to gather those resources and make new shit. <laughs> Moving on to The Last of Us Part 2 had the biggest first month of any 2020 game in the U.S., says Adam Bankhurst at IGN. And I, I read that title, and I'm like, huh, well, good for them. But I guess that kind of makes sense, because I couldn't really think, like, what else came out this year that maybe could have even contended with it? And I was like, Final Fantasy VII Paper Remake, Mario. although I get it, Paper Mario. But then I thought, Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing exploded, but somehow this still beat Animal Crossing in terms of first month sales. That's pretty yeah. significant. Well, I think that Last of Us Part Two just hit the right time where people wanted a really happy game to uplift them right. during quarantine. Uh -huh. yeah, that's definitely why that happened. No, 100%. it was like we have already crossed the happy hump and we are like headed in the miserable <laughs> desperation valley. Yeah. And we're like, we I wanted just... a game to admit. <laughs> <their feelings. laughs> 
We just want to know what's coming. Just show me the end. Show me how I die. <laughs> you could have just called it the Last of Us 2021 prediction. That's what we could have called it. Ring Fit Adventure sprints to the U.S. top 10 in June, thanks to stock increase, says Rebecca Valentine at gamesindustry.biz. Uh, good for this game. Again, I'm really enjoying it. We're going to have more content around it coming very soon. It jumped from 835th on the charts to 7th within a month. And a large part of that has to be with has to do with the fact that like you can find it now without having to necessarily go to a scalper. If you follow <laughs> Warrior 64, if you want to buy this game, if you follow Warrior 64, he will tweet that it's in stock probably like five or six times a day now. Uh, so if you really want it and you you're sick of just going on Amazon and seeing it sold out or for two hundred dollars all the time, check that out. Next up, Microsoft Flight Simulator Physical Edition comes with 10 discs, says Dennis Patrick at GameRanks. <laughs> this game, this is the one that's so realistic. It has all the airports in the world or whatever, and like it has a realistic flight time, so you can sit in front of your computer and watch it fly from New York to LAX in five hours. And <laughs> uh, it's going it's to have 150 gigabyte install size. But here's the thing. It is coming on 10 discs, but they're 10 DVDs. They're not 10 Blu-rays. So, like, the storage size on them is much, much smaller. So, we get it. But it's still insane that you have to install 10 different DVDs on your computer to play this game. Yeah. The file size is only, like, 150 gigs, which would be about right. two uh, triple Which is, like, a, like a third of a portion of Warzone on your PS4. <laughs> and finally, Bungie delays Destiny 2's Beyond Light expansion to November 10th, says GamesIndustry.biz. Boys... We just got ourselves a little extra time, about six more weeks, to go complete all those campaigns and raids that we weren't able to do before. Uh, so make sure you go do those before a lot of those that content gets taken away and put into the Destiny Vault. And it gives you a little bit extra time to complete that season pass. Although, I was already complete, going to complete that season pass with like 60 days remaining. So <laughs> That's it for our fetch quest. Moving on to our Microsoft Quest log. We've got a series of things related to the Series X, starting with the Xbox Series X velocity architecture should mean smaller game file sizes, less loading, and more, says Yo Screbbles at IGN. It's a soft J in Joe. Yo Screbbles. There are a couple of points here that Microsoft broke down about their velocity architecture. Basically, four points. I said a couple. It's four. It's a few. There's the custom... NVMe SSD. We knew that was coming, but it's going to be 40 times faster than Xbox One. They have hardware-accelerated decompression, so all of the assets that they download for the game, they have to decompress those. Like when you download a zip file and it's smaller than the actual folder that ends up on your computer. Uh, they, have, they use industry standards in addition to proprietary algorithms intended for, quote, decompressing game texture data. That's the part that's going to save on download sizes and on install times. So that's really cool. They have the Direct Storage API, which allows developers more freedom to choose what assets are prioritized and when. And then Sampler Feedback Streaming, which means that textures on that you're seeing in your field of view will vary in quality depending on how close you are to that object, how much of it is visible, that kind of stuff as well, which will help the, uh, the SSD not have to load in as much stuff if it's not close enough or if it's not fully visible. Uh, all of these things together 
are things that uh, Microsoft believes will allow the Series X to transcend in its specs, make it better than Xbox One. And the message that they're sending here is like, these four things combined make experiences in gaming that are next level that couldn't be done on Xbox One, which in my opinion, directly contradicts last week's thing where it's like, gaming should be about making sure anyone can play it on any console regardless of what's on that console and you shouldn't have to buy a new box to do it. And then this week they're saying, all of these brand new things that aren't possible on those old boxes and you can only do with this new shit. So like, cool. Cool. I'm glad this stuff exists. We've heard kind of bits and pieces of all of this together, and now they're just saying it all at one time. Uh, Holden, what's your take on all of this? Microsoft is doing, we'll continue talking about this exact point in a little bit as well. Microsoft is just reiterating everything they talked about in the first half of the year. I thought the marketing plan was let's introduce topics in the first half of the year and then just repeat them over and over again until the box comes out in the fall. It seems like that's what they're doing. Um, And in this particular one, like last week, we kind of talked about how Phil Spencer was being a little disingenuous with the whole, like, you know, lack of console wars, like, thing he was talking about, or uh, it's not about just getting the box. Like, he was, I don't know, it was a little weird. But this is, this is like, I don't know, I, everything they're saying, I guarantee you Sony is doing as well. Like, exactly. I don't think any of these yeah. things are actually super unique to to the Xbox. So the whole idea of, like, oh, this, this means that, it, it, you know, our experience in Xbox will transcend the specs. It's like, well, what do you think PlayStation? Do you think PlayStation or Sony just put a really fast SSD in the console and said, all right, cool, we don't have to do anything else because it's really fast. Like, no, the SSD is still way, way, way better on the the PS5. They, well, I should say way, way, way better. They're both very, very good hard drives that any gamer should be happy to have in their box. It's just that PlayStation 5 owners should be more happy with their SSD than Series X players is what it looks like right now. That looks like guaranteed is going to look like. Um, yes, yeah, so this whole idea of like, oh, we can decompress, let the hardware accelerate decompression. Mark Cerny t- talked about that in Road to PS5. They're going to have hardware decompression on, on the PS5. That's there too. And how it benefits Sony is that they start at 5.5 gigabits per, spe- from per second transfer speed. And then they can go up to like 9.5 with their hardware decompression. Microsoft starts at 2.4 and with their hardware de- uh, decompression doesn't even touch where Sony starts from. So it still is like, yeah, you're right. The specs are transcended by these things, but it's still not on the topic specifically of the SSD. It's still not comparable to what Sony's able to accomplish. So it's just like, yeah, I'm happy for you. That sounds wonderful. Um, you should really be emphasizing those teraflops and the GPU performance because that's <laughs> that, what makes your console stand out. Right. I think you're completely right that like all of these things they've said before, and then I while I was reading some of these these things, I was like, have they said this before, or did I just hear the same thing from PlayStation? And now like both of the messaging from both consoles is getting to be so much of the same that I I can't attribute what's what anymore. Like it's all just like mm-hmm. yeah we got a fast SSD, yeah we got a new architecture, yeah uh, your shit's gonna look good and load fast. Like cool, but as you're say as you're right you're saying like it's obviously going to be so much faster on the PlayStation 5 than it is on Xbox, but Xbox has more power behind it. And hopefully we'll get to see next week, spoilers for upcoming stuff this episode, hopefully we'll get to see next week like the results of what that power can bring while still yeah. being playable on Xbox One. Next up, Microsoft is halting production of Xbox One X and the all-digital Xbox One S, says Joe Juba at Game Informer. Uh, so they're discontinuing production of those models. It's effective now. They're no longer yeah. manufacturing them. Several months ahead of time of the Series X launch. 
They are, however, still producing the Xbox One S, the regular disc-based system. Um, but the other ones will be discontinued. I wanted to bring. I wanted to, to talk to you about this because I think it's the right move to simplify their lineup to have Xbox One S, Xbox Series X, and then most likely, as all evidence is pointing to, something in the middle that is a lower price point entry to quote next gen. Uh, even though it's not really a generation from Xbox's perspective. But I'm interested in your take on this one. Is is this the right move, discontinuing yeah. these, and especially today, discontinuing <clears throat> it before they have the next console out? Yeah, I, I think it's the, the right move. I mean, if, if you think about how the One X is positioned, it's positioned as it's the powerful Xbox. That's kind of what people think of when they think of the One X. This is the powerful one. That's not true anymore. And if someone wants a less powerful console... I don't think that they're as concerned about the difference between a 1S and a 1X. If you're concerned about the difference between a 1S and a 1X, you're going to be getting a Series X. You're going to be getting, you know, whatever this middle tier Lockhart thing is. Um, earlier and kind of the past few weeks have been kind of skeptical. Like, are we going to see Lockhart? Are we not going to see Lockhart? At this point, it seems like a for sure thing. With yeah. some of the other, like, you know, code leaks that we had and then, and an action based on Microsoft to discontinue to their lines. Like, yeah, I think we're for sure seeing that, that, um, uh, that lock card. And, and to kind of piggyback off what you were saying the past few weeks too, is um, why have both you, you were kind of already bringing up why have both the one X and the lock card at the same time, when it seems that the lock card is really going to be something that that's a little bit more powerful than a one X, but has an SSD. Most importantly has the SSD. Right, and I think um, for future proofing itself, that's going to be the the important thing that they include in this. Like, they could keep the One X absolutely. around from a power standpoint and be like, "This is just as powerful, as, or maybe just a little bit less than what the Lockhart would be." Why create another system? But I think mm -hmm. we've already seen from PlayStation uh, them saying like, "This is going to change game development, and consoles down the road will have to have the SSD and that velocity architecture yeah. in order to take advantage of that." Mm -hmm. What I find interesting is that they kept the sad, or they they carry they um, got rid of the sad edition and then kept the one S, which makes me think: Do they want to push people who want an all digital solution to this Lockhart? Is the Lockhart going to be a discless? Like every like every this is total speculation and based on the worst data I could possibly present <laughs> that right now. Uh, all of the like fan render of the one s or the lockhart always show this like smaller like half-sized version of the series x and that's just like to me i'm like yeah if it comes out i can totally see that i have nothing to base that off of um but it, that feels like right like it's a little guy compared to the big guy how do you get little you get rid of the disk drive that's a part of doing that because that's gonna take we all know the disk drive there. is the only thing taking up half that entire console <laughs> <laughs> is that another fan the fan holy shit takes a lot of space yeah. but yeah like that and i'm sure like having um a less powerful components they can you know make things in a smaller package but yeah i kind of feel like if they got rid of the, the sad edition i can see them releasing the lock card as like the digital only i, I hadn't considered that. but i've been so wrong about lock card so far this year that no one should listen to anything i have to say about lock card <laughs> at this point i hadn't considered Lockhart being digital only but in the announcement of the sad one going away and the regular disc-based one staying, I, I assumed that choice was made because if they need to keep a budget console around, they need to support people who are buying their games on a budget, which usually is used or from like disc-based rather than digital yeah. on sale. 
so they they can't sell them a digital only version and then say, cool, now you have to pay us full price for games through the Xbox store. Yeah. That was my thought around why they did that one. But I don't know. I, something, something, even though Xbox kind of has pioneered the digital console, I don't feel like it's going to go into next generation with a digital only model like PlayStation 5 is. And, and again, basing this completely on nothing, no information, uh, I just, I got a gut feeling that everything they have is going to have a disk drive, especially because if, if it is budget focused, you got to be able to buy your games budget focused on it as well. Your gut feelings have been rock solid as of late. So that's right. I think that's a good measure. Do you remember right my now? gut feeling that we were going to have all three consoles or both consoles released last fall? So <laughs> that was my big prediction for 2019 is we would see PS5 and Xbox Series X released at the end of the year. It, it, it comes in. It comes in waves. It comes right. in waves. That's right. Um, speaking of Xbox kind of changing things up, Microsoft no longer selling 12-month Xbox Live Gold plans ahead of Xbox Series X launch, says Adam Bankhurst at IGN. Without any reason, no press release, no statement or anything like that, they just simply removed the yearly Xbox Live Gold subscription option from the websites, from retailers. Um, they, you can still buy it in a single-month form. You can still buy it. Uh, as a three-month option, but you can't buy the highly discounted year option. Basically, if you want a year's worth, you used to be able to buy that for sixty bucks. Now you have to buy four three-month cards, which is a hundred bucks. Um, this comes kind of not too far after Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which combines Xbox Live with Game Pass for fifteen bucks a month. Again, often on sale for a lot less than that. And I'm wondering if they are either planning to phase out Xbox Live Gold or whether they're just trying to say, hey, yeah, you could have this archaic old thing, but for like maybe a couple extra bucks a year, you can get all of this extra shit that hopefully is going to unlock your desire for more Xbox games and get you gaming more on your Xbox than you would on any other platform. Uh, and that's kind of why, I, that's my assumption as to why they're making this change. It's just to push people more towards Game Pass uh, to make that a little bit more attractive. And take away yeah, the I think Microsoft definitely has a lot of um, excuse me, has a lot of they are investing a lot in Game Pass. Game Pass is extremely important to the Microsoft Xbox brand right now. I think that when, when people kind of think, oh, the so I just got a text message totally distracted me. Um, totally lost my train of thought. Okay, so like. Yeah, Game Pass is really, really important to them. And then the Games with Gold, I mean, we kind of laugh every month when they announce new Games with Gold, and it's like, right. yeah, I'm not going to get that. I've had Xbox uh, Live for uh, ever since I got my Xbox last November, and I've never once redeemed a Games with Gold because I'm like, not something I'm going to play. Like, just don't need to. I have so many options with Game Pass. And it brings me to another kind of a prediction you made last year, which ended up not coming true, but I still think you're so spot on with this that it's going to happen eventually. Is that Games of Gold is going to go away and it's going to be replaced with Game Pass, and they're just going to they're going to integrate it. And I think it's going to be a slow transition. But if they're doing this, I kind of feel like they're doing this. I think you're right to you know uh, get people going to Xbox um, uh, Game Pass Ultimate, 
but also because they probably are seeing less people subscribing with the 12 month plan. Because if you're spending 60 bucks for that 12 month plan, why not just spend 45 bucks for three months and get game pass at the same time? Like, yeah, you're going to spend more money per year, obviously, but the value is way, way higher. Yeah. So I kind of, yeah, I just feel like this is game games is gold. It's kind of days are numbered and game pass is just, it's, 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 probably the best value in gaming period you know in hindsight we almost should have seen this coming when when they started selling game pass ultimate and they gave you the option that says for one dollar you can take all of your xbox Live gold and convert it to game pass ultimate so people who had year two years three years of gold already purchased oh yeah suddenly now have three years of game pass ultimate like we should have seen the 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 writing on the wall was that Game Pass is taking over Gold. So I don't know. Should have seen this coming. I think from a mile away. Did I lose you? <laughs> what have you done? Um, the next. No, I'm here. Okay, cool. That's position for you, but this next one's very interesting. Yeah, the next one. So the next one is Xbox Series X rundown includes X Cloud Game Pass inclusion. Says Lucas White. At Silicon Era. Uh, there was a, a list of things that were talked about in this, this release, but really the most notable one is that starting in September, the uh, Game Pass Ultimate, specifically the one that includes both Xbox Live and Game Pass, will include Xbox, sorry, Project X Cloud at no extra cost. So you will be able to stream these Game Pass games to your device at no extra cost. It's just going to be roped in and part of it, which I think is really cool. I also find it really interesting because as PlayStation now started as a streaming service and then played catch up and is trying to make more things downloadable to match Game Pass, Game Pass started as a downloadable and is now starting to add streaming as an option to it <laughs> to catch up to PS Now. And now they're both just becoming the same product. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's really cool that this is happening in September. I think it's really cool that it doesn't cost any extra money. I still, however, am curious about the, the rest of xCloud. We know that it allows you to stream Game Pass games. But what if I don't have Game Pass, but I just want to stream the games I already own or games that aren't on Game Pass? If I own it already, do I have to subscribe to xCloud in order to play that game? Uh, what does the rest of that outside of the Game Pass integration look like? Which we don't know yet, but hopefully we'll have more info as September approaches. They've they've touched on it, and, and we actually know that xCloud was going to be a part of Game Pass for a while now. We just didn't know it was right. going to be in September. They kind of briefly touched upon it, um, and they also kind of kind of briefly touched upon it in the past said that you're going to have like a remote play kind of functionality like you have on PS4, where if you own a game, it's on your Xbox, right? Then then you can play it. But I think your Xbox is the server versus you playing it off of an online server. Exactly. Like, is this going to act like Stadia, for example, where you can go to Xbox? dot com buy a game without owning an xbox and just stream it like how is that going to, to operate is that going to be a thing like they still have, still have questions um the interesting thing to me about this though is this is happening in september i guess i didn't expect it to happen that soon i didn't either i i just i had this image in my head of this year is all about getting the next gen consoles out and then once they get them out and they're starting to build a bigger fan base on interest on a cool console like the series x as opposed to a lame console like the xbox one was when it was first <laughs> announced um 
so they can kind of get some more people interested in Xbox as a brand and then start to be like, oh, by the way, cloud services. Then in 2021 was something to be all about, you know, uh, bolstering their cloud offering. They're doing it right now. I'm like, that's interesting. Um, so I'm curious to see how that plays out. Um, well, to just to do a plug here, we'll talk about this on the grind, which is kind of my big breakdown of the whole Stadia situation over the past like nine months or so. Uh, um, actually, more than, more than a year at this point, if you count their marketing efforts as well. Um, this is a big blow to Stadia, I think. I've been spending, and I don't want to get too much into it because like the grind, we're going to, I'm going to talk a lot about this in the grind, but like on stadia's reddit i've seen a lot of people saying oh i love stadia because like i'm a parent and i can just like watch my baby in their room and like rock them to sleep and just keep like a stadia and a phone in my hand and i can't do that on xbox i was an xbox user but this is better and i'm like do you think those people are going to stick with stadia or they're going to switch over to xbox they're going to switch like this is 100 percent. yeah 100 percent um because it's 10 bucks a month you don't have to buy per game and if you just want to have things to casually kind of play um this sounds like the best way to do it because you can still get this on PC. You can get it on your console. Like Game Pass is just going to be available anywhere, and that's huge. Um, and we already know iOS support. To see. Like you can play yep. at least Master Chief, Chief Collection on iOS right now. Like it's be a test flight and it's like a beta thing, but still. Where Stadia <laughs> is in full production and almost a year later still doesn't have iPhone support. It's so stupid. So stupid. Yeah. Next next month you will hear all of my talks and all my thoughts about this. Really? <laughs> specifically. Um yeah. So I think this is interesting that it's happening so soon. I think that's kind of my biggest takeaway. It's yeah. like, wow, that's happening sooner than I thought. I think they had they had said last year that XCloud was going to launch in twenty twenty. But I still imagined that it maybe it would even launch alongside the Series X as or I think at that time we were still assuming <laughs> that like Lockhart was gonna be a streaming only console and it was only gonna be XCloud, that kind of stuff. But Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, Who knows? It still could be. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the fact that it's coming in September, really cool. Moving on to our Sony Quest log, we have one story from our Sony Quest log, and it will take me longer to read it than the story itself was. PlayStation 5 <laughs> <laughs> DualSense controller hands-on from the Game Awards on YouTube. Uh, Jeff Keighley did, uh, in his defense, I don't know how you could accurately demo the DualSense controller in a video to a bunch of people when it's all about tactile, hands-on, haptic feedback. But the fact that he, he attempted is valiant. It's a valiant effort. It did not go well. He showed off Astro's no. Playroom which is the downloaded, like pre-installed on every PlayStation 5. It's the Astrobot little bots floating around and every world teaches you about a different part of the DualSense controller and how it responds. And so he just spent about three minutes, literally about three minutes, <laughs> just holding the controller, playing a little bit of the game. And he's just like, so it, it, uh, it kind of, it's actually, I, there's a sandstorm and it, I can't, I can't really describe it. But like I can feel the sand. It's like, it's really come through. Oh, can you hear it? Like, you can hear the particles. And maybe if I could just get the microphone of the controller really close. Yeah, that's he's like, the, I can hear him walking. I'm like, and then he's like, it's, and? it kind of sounds like the ice shards. <laughs> and it was a tear. It's like he had never thought about how he was going to show this off until he was doing it live on the air. Um, but here are some things that we've gathered from it. Again, all of it's stuff that we've already seen in Sony marketing before about the DualSense, but just said very poorly to Jeff while he holds the controller. Um... Focuses on DualSense, uh, the, so the, the Astro's Playroom demo is something that focuses more on the DualSense rather than showing off the PS5's horsepower. Um, it's very short loading screens between worlds. A quote in the Sandstorm, quote, can feel the Sandstorm pushing against you. 
And they showed off a frog suit too uh, that allows you to, whenever he's pulling on the triggers in either direction, it feels a tension whenever you're jumping. Uh, but shortly after that demo, which was useful to see how big it is in someone's hands, you got to see it next to the, the DualShock 4. But shortly after that demo, there was a, a very short interview as well. Uh, most of the stuff was stuff we've already heard before. But a couple of things that we wanted to mention. One, they said, I don't know how the rumors about the PS5 apparently going on pre-order last week got started. It came out of nowhere. Surprised us here at Sony as well. But they assured us that they will let us know when pre-orders are happening. It's not going to be a surprise drop thing. We will know way ahead of time so that we have time to stay up late, get our credit cards ready, and place money on this thing. Thank God. Thank, Thank the God. Lord. Um, oh. And then finally, the last thing from this is that they had originally planned part of their, like, when they announced that they weren't doing E3, they said they were going to do hundreds of fan events across the world uh, to show off PlayStation 4 and beyond. And so they showed, they said that part of their plan was to get people hands-on <clears throat> with these uh, accessories and games ahead of time before launch. But obviously, COVID destroyed all of those. Yeah, that last part was very interesting to me. It puts things in context. It's kind of nice to know, hey, they were playing doing all these live in-person events where you could feel the dual sense because it's not Sony's fault. But I am tired of kind of hearing, you know, you can feel the sandstorm pushing against you when you're yeah. on the ice. <laughs> it's going to feel like I'm like, I get it. I get it. And I know that I'm, I'm not going to fully understand what that's like until I play it. So I feel like so much of what makes the PS5 great based on what we what we have heard are things that you have to experience as opposed to being told about. And I yeah. feel like that's the big hurdle that Sony has been trying to, uh, to overcome. They haven't been perfect about it, but I think that their like game showcase from last month was enough to really put them in a really, really strong position that is probably not going to impact them unless they like stumble so badly over the next few months, which I doubt at this point is, is going to happen. I'm sure the rumored August event's going to be breathtaking. Um, <laughs> one thing I did find interesting, though, if I'm going to if I'm going to be a little nitpicky and yep. like, eh, I don't know, this is weird. So that eight second like loading screen between the worlds, I timed it because I'm like, I just saw the loading screen and it, it wasn't a loading screen, but it was an animation that went on about the amount of time I would expect a loading screen to, you know, to, to play as if it really were trying to hide it. And it's basically when the Astrobot character goes to like think about super mario uh 64 you go to the painting you jump in the painting you go into the world and then it's like you walked up to like <laughs> you, you go up to this little like futuristic like you know portal looking thing and you jump onto it and then you like materialize you warp, warp through and it's like 2001 a space odyssey with all the colors flying at you like when they're going through the Ju uh, atmosphere jupiter and 2001 a space odyssey if anyone has seen that movie it's <laughs> a great movie um but i'm like that's clearly a loading screen that's so obviously a loading screen and it went on eight seconds eight, eight seconds is not a long time but that's a far cry from the and no more loading screens they're a thing of the past yeah I'm like this is a first party sony experience that is pre-installed on every single ps5 and again, I'm not saying anything about the game. I'm sure it's a great game, but I was I was surprised to see that. I kind of feel like with what they've been telling about the PS5 and if Ratchet and Clank, you can just go through these portals and warp instantly. Why wasn't that wasn't that on display here? That's like the that's, I, I talked for too long about that because it's very nitpicky. I just found that interesting. That's all. Yeah, and, and you know that they were thinking PS5 about that too. Suck. Like, you know they were thinking about that, too, which is why they had to, to caveat it and have Jeff say, like, by the way, this is just to show up the controller, yeah. not the SSD. Yep. 
Yeah, I'm sure Astrobot's going to be cool. I'm actually happy to hear that it's pre-installed because we're both getting digital-only versions. Yeah, and it will depend. If I have to get a disc version, I'll get a disc version, but I'm going to prefer to get a digital version. And it's nice to know that while I'm waiting for something to download, there'll be a full multi-hour experience for me to play and to yeah. kind of learn about the consoles I play. I also would like to try Astrobot because I've never done the Rescue Mission VR game. And I really want to, but this is kind of the closest I can get without getting VR. So I think mostly this is positive, but it was just awkward presentation because they couldn't have presented it any other way. So it's like, it wasn't a great, great event, but it's not their fault. hundred percent. Let's move on to the Nintendo Quest log, holding with a couple of stories. We've got the Super yeah. Mario Anniversary Twitter account has been discovered. This is Dennis Patrick at GameRanks. There's a Twitter account that goes by Super Mario 35th was discovered uh, as a on Twitter as a private account. It could just be you know, fans making this account and, and kind of fooling everybody. However, uh, the domain used to register the account was a Nintendo domain associated with other Twitter accounts as well. So more rumors that we might be getting this big 35th anniversary blowout with maybe a bunch of other things in it. Hopefully soon. Jesus, Nintendo. Yeah. Show me whatever the this future of Nintendo weird. Directs is. Yeah, this has been a weird year for them. I have so I know that they, this isn't part of the rumor, but when I saw the headline and it said Super Mario Anniversary, I'm like, is that going to be the name? If it's like a bundle pack, is that going to be the name of the bundle pack? Because it's kind of an awesome name for the bundle pack. Super Mario Anniversary, I kind of like that a lot. I feel like, I don't know, Super Mario Anniversary feels like it includes a lot more than it's been rumored to include, though. Like, I, when I think of Super Mario Anniversary, I think of, oh, Super Mario Bros., Super Mario World, so like, all of the Super Mario games versus, like, just yeah. a handful of 3D ones that it looks like it's going to end up being. All Stars. Super Mario Galaxy! God, I can't wait to play that <laughs> game again. Super Mario uh, All-Stars didn't include everything. So, I don't know, I kind of feel like Anniversary doesn't have to include everything either. I don't know, I just, just like the name. Yeah. Um, it's going to be good. Oh, one second. I gotta plug in my phone to charge it, and I have everything else plugged in. So let me just bloop bloop for a second. Plug it in, plug it in. While you are plugging, <laughs> that's a there we go. that's a gross I verb. Plugged. While you are plugging, <laughs> series producer suggests Metroid Prime Four won't ignore the casual players, says Ryan Craddock at Nintendo Life. Um, you correctly called out here that this article doesn't really have anything to do with Metroid Prime Four. It has everything to do with looking back on the Metroid Prime series and noting that. Uh, they make them available to core gamers and casual gamers alike. I'm going to read the quote. Uh, first, Nintendo's philosophy on game creation is that we don't ignore casual players in creating our games. This is also true for games such as those in the Metroid Prime series, games that at first glance look like they are only aimed at core gamers. With that in mind, what we've done in the Paper Mario series is to put a lot of work particularly into the puzzle-solving elements of the games so that they can, be enjoy they can also be enjoyed by our core users. So this is just saying... Similar to what we've already done in the past with our Metroid Prime games and what you see today in Paper Mario, our games are intended for, to be consumed by everyone, and we try to put the challenge in the puzzles to make you think about it as an adult and challenge you as an adult. However, we still have the help options there, like buying extra time with coins and stuff like that that Paper Mario introduces. Which then, of course, leads you into thinking, oh, they're going to have the same thing for Metroid Prime 4. So, Nintendo Life, Ryan Craddock, shame on you. Shame on you. Yeah, the headline seems to imply that specifically Metroid Prime 4 is going to have all these 
features that are you know going to be dedicated to casual players and they're just going to ignore all the hardcore fans of like the past <laughs> games. it's like yeah. no like their standard of what they mean as you know uh having some sort of support for casual players includes what we all liked in the original prime trilogy so seemingly the next one's going to be fine and just as yep. good like it, it it was it was very odd um I think this is an article because people are excited about Metroid Prime 4, and anything with Metroid Prime 4 in the headline will get attention, just yep. like it did for me. I wouldn't have read this article if it was just about how casual is uh, casual gamers is a consideration for Nintendo. I wouldn't have read that article, but I read it because it said Metroid Prime 4 in the headline. <laughs> yep. So I felt Take for a hint, it, Nintendo. People are hungry. Article. I can't wait. Finally, before we get to our main quest, we have the third-party quest log with two items on the list. The first being that really amazing, gorgeous-looking game, Marvel's Avengers, has beta <laughs> dates. And the second war table has been announced. It's Jonathan Dornbush at IGN. Here are the dates as follows. If you pre-order it on PlayStation, you get to start the beta on August 7th. All of you in the chat, I assume you are pre-ordering it as well. I will also be pre-ordering it. We will be betaing together on August 7th. On August 14th, Xbox and PC pre-order beta access begins, so if you're not a PlayStation person, you can actually go and play it on the 14th. On that same day, anyone can play it on PlayStation 4, whether you pre-ordered it or not. And then finally, a week later on the 21st of August, anyone on any platform can join the beta. And then finally, on July 29th, so coming up in just a little over a week and a half, you can see Crystal Dynamics' next War Table presentation, which will hopefully be just as telling as the first. Uh, about the game and I will make sure to watch that I will ignore and be in denial about the game based on whatever I see and I will enjoy the <laughs> hell out of it <laughs> can you yes, tell that's... that I'm worried about this game but I don't want to admit it <laughs> I was going to say because well, I guess because I know you're looking forward to it still um, that's great and I support you in that this isn't about about you not being justified in that but I guess like, what are you looking forward to in this work table like what is it like what do you in the war table itself yeah i i want to see more of what the like four player every like basically whatever the strikes are that everyone can join in or open world type stuff with all everyone joining in one because i already saw Mm -hmm. that the story combat mission that we saw thor do was boring as hell um so i would love to see more of that kind of open i forget what they call them but see those things war zones maybe i don't know and then I would love to see maybe a little bit of the the single player like story content. Like, mm-hmm. show me a cutscene that shows off some of the the range of these characters that we're going to be spending a lot of time with, so that I know that at least on that point, with all of these great voice actors and all these great animators, that you're going to have something good come out of it. That's what I'm looking. Over the beta. Oh, the beta! I just want to make sure it's not yeah. Anthem. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make sure it's fun and it's I, fun to play the people. Yeah, I don't think I need to say what I think about this. I think everyone knows what I think about this already, <laughs> yeah. so, so we can move on. <laughs> uh, this next one, Dr. Disrespect will not be returning to Twitch and considering legal action, says Ben Bayless at DualShockers. We've got a couple of points here I'm going to mention about the Dr. Disrespect case in general, uh, or spe- specifically the Dr. Disrespect case, but then I think we're both going to open it up to a little bit more discussion about Twitch and these types of policies. So weeks after Dr. Disrespect was banned from Twitch, we still don't have an explanation. Both Twitch and Dr. Disrespect have been silent. Um, There are lots of things that are thrown around about, like, why it might be, but none of them are substantiated. 
And then Dr. Disrespect did an interview with the Washington Post uh, and PC Gamer, and he claims that he still doesn't know why he was banned. He's considering legal action against it, uh, so he can't really talk much about it base, uh, because of the his lawyers have advised him not to. All he knows is that he was doing a stream with a friend one day, and suddenly, one by one, features of his stream started to disappear, and then he wasn't on Twitch anymore. Um, so Holden, I don't know anything about Dr. Disrespect. Other than I've seen his picture with his sunglasses and wig. And mm-hmm. actually, I don't even know if it's a wig. Maybe it's his real hair. I don't know. But I've seen his character. I haven't watched any of his streams. And I know that he's had some notoriety notoriety in the last like year or two. Um, but what I really thought was interesting, and this kind of touches a little bit on what I think you're going to talk about too. But what I thought was interesting is how taking a look at this and how someone's complete revenue stream and... Um, and existence, like his job, his money, I'm sure he had other things too, but it came from Twitch. Like his livelihood was Twitch. And for them mm-hmm. to be like, with no job security whatsoever, no pension, no severance or anything like that, because it's streaming, it's not a quote unquote job, like Uncle Sam dictates a job has to be. Because of that, his, his entire livelihood was just turned off in an instant. And he's left with nothing, no job protection, no, probably no unemployment. He probably can't file for unemployment because he is a Twitch streamer. Um, and I thought that that is both fascinating and also terrifying for anyone who, because this is, this is a profession. When you ask kids nowadays, a ton of them say, I want to be on YouTube. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a streamer. And because it's in such an infancy right now, this profession, it's like, there are no protections for it. They, they don't have a union. They like, there's. It mm-hmm. is literally just people's hobbies that they're making a ton of money at, and they don't have health coverage, all this kind of stuff. But I just thought that was really interesting that someone's entire livelihood can just be turned off overnight by Twitch, and they're just and for no SOL. Yeah, and for seemingly no reason. Whereas, yeah. had this been an actual job with government protections, like you can't fire someone without cause in most professions mm-hmm. in the U.S. Like, that's illegal. Yeah. You could sue them. And in, in this case, too, like... Well, is it possible that Dr. Disrespect was like caught doing something like illegal or criminal or something like that? Yeah, sure. That's that's totally possible. I don't know. I'm not speculating as to whether that's the reason or not. Some people have. I'm not doing that. But I, I think in this case, like he's saying he doesn't know why he was banned. I believe him. And here's why I believe him. Um, I don't know much about Dr. Disrespect. So like I'm not basing this off of an incredible like, you know, amount of information about him. I've never watched a stream of his. The only thing I'm really aware of him is that he him he um he took like a leave of absence off Twitch for a while. He did this one stream and he came out and said, Hey guys, I cheated on my wife. I did a oh, really right. terrible thing. And you know, and I'm coming clean to you guys cause I'm going to leave for a while so I can make things better with my family. That's the action of a very honest person. It doesn't mean he's a good person. Necessarily. I don't know, but it's so the action of someone who is honest. And so I don't think that he would come out and say, he doesn't know why he was banned unless he actually doesn't also like, in the interview here, like with PC Gamer, his his publicist was right next to him and would actually stop him from saying certain things, but didn't stop him there. So I feel like the publicist would have stopped him there if there wasn't actually legal ground for him to say that he didn't know why. So I believe that he doesn't know why. And that kind of goes back to you now your point, the power that Twitch had in the situation to just pull the plug on him immediately. I think this is one of and to take out a set of video games this is just one of the most important conversations that i don't think we're really having seriously at the time is that 
a lot of these tech companies have an incredible power over the the information that's out there, the speech that is out there. Um, just to tell something about myself really quickly, like I'm, I'm I would definitely consider myself as someone who's like a free speech advocate, but that means that you you free speech means that you're protecting free speech for opinions you don't agree with. And even if Dr. Disrespect had said something that really important that I don't agree with, it's important that we don't give tech companies the power to just pull the plug like this. Um, Dr. Disrespect says he's going to sue. I guarantee the lawsuit's going to be dropped because Twitch is a private company. And in the current legal standing, they can do this with no repercussion whatsoever. But right. it's just, this is a precedent we really actively need to push against. If I can make it political for just a second, um, um, Tulsi Gabbard, um, she was one of the Democratic pre presidential candidates um, in the primaries. She was on debate stages. like It wasn't like she was like nobody. And she had a really good performance in a debate. And then usually after that happens, your donations go up a lot because people saw you. Oh, wow, she's so great. Um, but Google ended up turning off her ads for six hours after the debate and didn't let her you know, advertise herself on Google's platform. And she sued Google for $50 million. That lawsuit was dropped in March and dismissed by the judge because the judge just said, yeah, Google can do whatever they want. They're a private company. They don't have to adhere to these free speech guidelines. To me, that's an uncomfortable level of power that we're just handing to some of the most powerful companies on the planet. The reach that these companies have over, um, over the information we see unprecedented in human history. And I think that we're doing just humanity a disservice if we just, yeah, they can do that. They're private, whatever. We, like, there needs to be serious conversation around, you know, people having a voice against the, you know, these companies, whether that's a union or that's changing, um, you know, the laws in the country to better support these people, something needs to happen. Um, I don't think Respawning Fire is the outlet to find the solution <laughs> for that. But um, I, I just, I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I understand it. Like from a, from a legal aspect in today's times, like I understand it's like, it's Twitch's platform and they have the right mm -hmm. to say what is said on it and what's not said on it because it's their private platform. But I think you're right. Yeah. We need some kind of, as this is becoming more and more how people react and speak and live their lives on these platforms. Like that's, We've mm -hmm. got to have some kind of legislation going forward that's modern that takes into account yeah. all of this stuff. Absolutely. Because it's just a, you know, and like in a worst case extreme, not even a worst case extreme, we give these people the power now because these people are well-intentioned. The CEOs, these companies, these companies are well-intentioned. They're very good people. Well, if the power is unchecked for long enough, there's a long enough legal precedent on this. And then in 50 years, really bad people end up running these companies. You're, you are in a dystopian future. That's how it happens is when we don't check these things now because we don't know who's going to be there in 10, 20, 30, 50 years. So we need to have it now when there are good people there who are willing to have a conversation, hopefully, you know, crossing our fingers. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. Woof. Before Woof. we get to our main quest, I want to tell you about Affable Idiots. It is the brand under which we fall, Respawn Aim Fire, as well as AAWI, the And Also With You podcast, which today we uh, showed pictures of our dream house that we drew by hand. Uh, we talked about all the things Daniel Day-Lewis would need to know about us in order to really become us in a movie. Uh, some surprising things about Matt from Rhode Island that I learned today that are all amazing. Uh, so go check those out. But we need your help. We need your support. You can go to YouTube.com slash a bunch of random characters because we don't have vanity names because we don't have enough subscribers yet. But good for you. I put the links in the description here. 
Go click on those links. Subscribe to our three channels, Affable Idiots, AAWI, Responding Fire. That way we can get closer to getting those vanity names. We also would love your reviews on our uh, podcast services. I see that all of our podcasts are five out of five stars on Apple Podcasts, which is amazing. Thank you, everyone. We still would love more of you to do it because that gets us recognized, gets us a little bit like the plays to the Al Gore rhythms a little bit better. Uh, and uh, also, I love comments. So if you want to leave us five stars, that's awesome. I love you. If you want to leave us a comment, I will secretly sneak a kiss in the middle of the night in your apartment after I break in. And then finally, you can go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. You can show us support by giving us just a dollar and you get a bunch of cool shit like this week, the ability to vote on our next barf game backlog accomplishment with respawn and friends where we all think about what are we going to play in August that we should have played a long time ago in the past that we haven't picked up in a long time. Uh, so pick that up or go to Patreon, vote on that this week. And uh, you also get to play with us every week and we're fun people. We're fun people. Okay. I promise. We played in Jala on Friday nights. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best example. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then you also get dope wallpapers. A new one will be coming out in the next like 15 days. Um, that's it. Let's talk about our main quest, which might be a little bit of a shorter one than usual this week. But coming up on Thursday, July 23rd, 2020, 8 a.m. pre-show, Pacific Standard Time, on the west coast of the United States of America and surrounding <laughs> territories including Puerto Rico and the Virgin Isles, is Microsoft's Xbox Games Showcase. Xbox 2020, which is apparently the branding for all of this stuff that's supposed to be over the next few months, still completely absent from their marketing. This is the Xbox Game Showcase. <laughs> really? Yeah. So this showcase is not part of the 2020? Okay. I remember, just assumed yeah. oh, we're throwing the 2020 events. I know they canceled the June one. I figured they're bringing it back for July. I'm wrong. Wow. No. Okay. They, I, they said in May, they're like, hey, you know what? We have this Xbox Insider program. Let's go ahead and we're going to throw it under this new banner, Xbox 2020. And then we're going to call it that. And then everything else, once a month for the next few months, is going to be Xbox 2020. And now it just seems they've abandoned that completely. And they're just throwing shit out there. But anyway, on Thursday, we have this event. Microsoft, uh, sorry, we have this event happening. They're going to show off games. Games, 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 games. First party stuff, third party stuff. It's going to be great. The, uh, actually, this one might... We know there's going to be games. In the past, they've said this one will be a first party focused one. I don't know if that's going to be 100% of the things, but it will be first party focused. We have an article that says, Microsoft resets expectations ahead of Xbox Showcase. It says, Brendan Sinclair at gamesindustry.biz. Um, Aaron Greenberg which is the GM of games marketing at Microsoft, uh, sent a little tweet out to set expectations correctly. It says, quote, I know everyone is excited for Xbox Game Showcase next Thursday. Seen some wild expectations, so if helpful, this show has one focus, games. No business, devices, or similar news, just games. A whole show about, a, a, a whole show about hour long focused on games. Hope you enjoy it. Now we do know, there has been announced that there is a an actual pre-show that will be starting at eight, whereas the whole game, the whole rest of the show is starting at nine. So we are going to get about two hours of games, 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 um, starting on Thursday morning. Holden, we have three questions here. What do you want to see? What do you think Microsoft needs to accomplish with this event? How can they best respond to Sony's June PS5 Games Showcase? Feel free to answer one or any of those questions, and I will respond with my own opinion. That's how a discussion um, works. <laughs> so, what do we want to? What do I want to see? Um, 
I, I don't have the investment in the Microsoft ecosystem the way that I have in the PlayStation Nintendo ecosystem. They don't really actually have like specific games from like, oh, I need to see Halo Infinite 2 or something. Right. I don't know. Like, I don't have that kind of investment. But I know people are really excited about a new Fable game. And it just is like a, being a part of the community. I want to see people get excited and jumping up and down to finally see that. So I like like. I guess that's what I want to see, but it's really because I know other people want to see it, and I just want to see them happy when that <laughs> Aww, you're so sweet. happens. Uh, so other than that, I don't really have anything I want to see myself, but what does Microsoft need to accomplish? They need to convince me that after the cross-gen period is over, that their games are going to look fucking spectacular. They need to prove that to me. They need to show me. We've seen what the SSD can accomplish on the uh, the PS5 of their games showcase and in the level of fidelity that their horsepower can drive. Like, I want to see the equivalent of what Microsoft can do there. That's the main thing they need to accomplish. They need to be able to show that, hey, those games that looked cross-gen at our first event is not representative of the entire Series X experience. This is like the pinnacle of the Series X experience. They need to show exclusive games. I want to see the Resident Evil 8 trailer again so I can say, hey, that's what it looks like on an Xbox Series X. This is what it looks like on a PS5, and we could start making those comparisons. This is the event for that to happen. And that then ties right into the whole how do they best respond to Sony's PS5 game showcase. Show things that are exclusive. Show me games that I can only play on Xbox, or at least like within the Xbox PC ecosystem, that's kind of still the at this point the Xbox ecosystem. Um, I think it's the main thing they have to do. I think they have great hardware they've already shown off. I think the hardware has a ton of potential, just like the PS5 has a ton of potential. I've seen the potential of the PS5 now. I need to see that for the Series X. Um, I I agree with you. That that's what we need from Microsoft. Is we need to see what are these exclusive things. Um, and especially as you mentioned, like what what is after the cross gen series of things? Uh, something that throws a wrench in that is that Phil Spencer then doubled down this week on the fact that there will not be mm -hmm. exclusive Series X games from Microsoft oh, for dude. at least a couple of uh, years. So now we know that it is plural years. Oh man, I didn't um, see that. <laughs> yeah. So we, I don't think we're going to see anything Series X exclusive at this event because we know that there will be cross gen for at least two years. Microsoft has a really noble thing they're doing with the whole cross-gen thing. I think it would have been way more accessible last generation than this generation. Why do you think? Why do you think that? Because we had the SSD transfer, and that's a very unique thing yeah. that CPU cannot you compensate for. CPU but then, GPU. but see, last year though, we had the whole thing with the x86 architecture, where like mm -hmm. that was a brand new architecture that like that's true. That's where yeah. that bridge was going to be drawn, which yeah. is why they had to work so hard for backwards compatibility. Yeah, that's a good point. So I don't think there's a, a there good probably time wouldn't for that, have, but... Yeah, the, the next generation, it's going to be, oh, well, now they don't have the hologram lens thingamabobber that you know, <laughs> make the new games great. In Luma Room. Exclusively. Yeah, Luma Room. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's no good time. It just feels like this is a bad time, but you're right. There is no good time. Yeah. Um, I would... Yeah. Obviously, we know we're going to see Halo Infinite here, and we're going to... We, we have to see more than we've seen in the past, which is a CG trailer, and then mm -hmm. some like basic ass, you're just waking up, look left and right, look at me, I'm a, not low res, but like, does that look next gen? Model of a guy in front of me. Um, yeah. We have to see gameplay of it. We have to see what's unique about this one, uh, some of the lore about it. So obviously we all know Halo Infinite, but we have to see something f uh, next, first party from the next gen stuff that maybe, I don't know. We, I keep coming back to this whole thing about the Nemesis system. That like, 
we can keep like downgraded graphics, but we have to have something exclusive. Even if the game itself is not exclusive to the net to Series X, we have to have something about the Series X. They have to show me why I need to play this on a Series X and not on my regular Xbox One S. And it has to be more than just 30 extra frames per second. It has to be more than that. So we need to see that from this. And if they don't show us that, but everything still looks beautiful, I'm like, cool. I'm still going to buy one on day one just because I'm a corporate shill. And I need, I, I'm, I'm just going to do it just because I can. And I have the, the income that I can throw away on it because I'm a single person living with three other people. Um, uh, so, but we need, we need to see that as, as a people, as a species. We need to see what makes Series X, playing these games on Series X, the best way to play. Um, and honestly, that's how they're going to respond to Sony's showcase. Like Sony, Sony kicked things off and said, this is what playing on PS5 means. This is what it looks like. This is the type of things that you can only do on next gen. And then, yeah, the only way Microsoft can, can fire back is just say, cool, these are the only things you can do on Xbox. Maybe not next gen, but the only things you can do on Xbox with our console, whether it be due to licensing or IP or first party stuff, it's just something you can only do on Xbox. That's what we need to see. That's it. That's Hopefully they can do it. Um, do a text message. There's a... Oh, you sent me a text message? There's a couple of things in the chat. Yeah. Uh, one of them, Dallas says, did you say algorithms? Uh, yes. And that is unfortunately not a me original <laughs> thing. It is a, uh, a Kimmy Schmidt thing where they're looking through Netflix and Kimmy Schmidt doesn't understand what algorithms are or like recommendation engines. And somebody called him an algorithm and she, she said algorithm. Sorry about that. I'm funny. That's funnier and not my shit. And then uh, Dallas also says, yes, Nemesis style shit, something that has our minds blown with some insane AI stuff. A hundred percent. The CPU is really powerful. <laughs> what is it doing for us? I saw your so text I message. Could... <laughs> Holden just sent me a text message that just says, Summer Games Bet Fest. I forgot the intro again. <laughs> I will say the intro for you. It's now time for Summer Games Bet Fest. Bet. Bet. That's right. It's Summer Games Bet Fest where we take bets on summer's best game fest. Summer, summer, game fest. Summer, summer of gaming. The rest are best for bets. Bet. Hold it. We have a bet going on right now. Is that what's happening? We, we have a bet going on right now. So here's, here's the bet. I was gonna say like, hey, let's do a bet. Like, games are gonna be announced, but there's like two options: Fable and Halo. So, <laughs> right. Like... <laughs> we just don't know anything else. Yeah, we don't know anything else. So like, it's it's too hard to do that. But what do you think the the reception is going to be from this? Is it gonna be seen positively, negatively? And the metric we're gonna use, Jeff Keighley always puts out a poll. He reaches out to gamers from Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation's. Like, I think, what do you think the rating from his poll is gonna be? He does A, B, C, D. Is what he usually does. Oh, that's right. It's a it's a letter grade thing. Yeah, I think it's the fairest metric we can use because he's not like a specific. He's not associated with a specific brand. Right. Interesting. So the event as a whole, how are people going to perceive it? So here's the yeah. thing. I know that the internet is a very binary place. It's either amazing or it's the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> so it's either going to be A or D in my brain. It's either going to be, oh my god, Halo Infinite blew my mind, A+, or it's going to be, oh man, they didn't show whatever game I wanted, D. Um, and I, unfortunately, we're, I think we're going to see a lot of comparisons to Sony's events. We're going to see a lot of things that like the graphics aren't going to be as impressive because it's cross-gen, and I, I think it's going to end up on the D side of things. So I'm going to say it's going to be rated a D. 
I think so. I think it's going to be a B, and I think it's going to be a B because I don't think that they they don't have the exclusives to really compete with what Sony did. They don't have the oh my god and Ratchet like oh my god and Horizon oh my god and they don't have that kind of you know moments. But I I think people are going to be really excited about Halo. They're going to be really happy about seeing Halo finally. But I don't think people are going to be like overwhelmed with how like amazed they were. So I think it's. It's gonna yeah, be a we B see, or C. We see. Uh, what's their What's their zombie game? Oh, State of Decay. Say, if we see State of Decay three, no one's gonna be like ah, except for maybe Greg Miller. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I don't think it's gonna be bad enough to be a C because this is the first time we're getting a first party game. So I think this is the first time we're probably gonna see something from their new studios. Like, but and I, hopefully they've ta- they've taken a lot into account about production value for these for the stream itself as well. Yeah, because that's gonna help so a lot. I, I feel like it's going to be positive. I don't think it's going to be overwhelmingly positive. So I'm saying B. That's where I'm going to stick. Okay. Okay. We will see next week. And that is what our poll on Tuesday will be about as well. So people make sure you vote sometime between Tuesday and Thursday before this happens. If you vote afterwards, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Oh, I'll only do it for two days. I'll have it end right before. Lock it down. Yeah, that's right. Great. No cheating. No cheating. Next up, we're going to go into Game on Game Show. The Game on Game Show, we play a game called Game On! The Game on Game Show, we play game, 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 game. Fuck. I have, so I have Video Game Would You Rather again this week, but I realized that I forgot to come up with a third one. So we only have two situations, two scenarios. None of them gets oblert. Uh, uh, pfft, oblert. That's okay. I forgot Summer Games Fest, or Summer Games Bet Fest last there week entirely, go. so you're fine. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so we've got oh, two things way, here. We all voted that I'm a nincompoopist. That was the. So I put That's a poll right. out because that was the poll. So there's no summer games fest. Is holding a nincompoo, nincompooper, nincompoopist. I voted nincompoopist, and it seems that the community agrees that I am a nincompoopist. Nincompoopist, the poopiest yeah. nincompoop. Uh, so I have two exactly. scenarios here. Both of them are based around something that I saw today, Ooh. and I am talking kind of slowly and being kind of vague. As I find the photo, and I airdrop <laughs> it to my Mac so I can drop it in the stream for everyone to see. Uh, so that is what today's thing is based around. Uh, this morning, I saw and I s- sent the, to our group a uh, a 2D version, 2D pixel art version of Bloodborne that somebody had created called Yarn Town, which was basically the opening level of Yarnum in bloodborne which was amazing i didn't think that i wanted this until i saw it this morning i was like i fucking want this and i was so impressed with the quality of it uh and and how like all the enemies were all in the same places and the animations and it was looked just as hard and all the same mechanics were there anyway it looked dope that inspired these next two things these next two questions for video game would you rather the first one being would you rather play a 2d pixel art version of until dawn or have a 3D third-person version of Celeste. It's kind of doing the opposite. Ooh, taking a pixel art and making it 3D open like a, a platformer or taking a 3D thing like Until Dawn and making it 2D. I'm going to say Celeste in 3D, even though I'm not like super enthused about that because I don't think the magic could be captured in the same way. And the reason is I think it would be harder... To make a, for me personally, to make a soulful story or like, like an impactful story or a horrific story or to care about the decisions I make in that game if it's 2D. Seeing the actors, seeing the performances is a big part of Until Dawn for me. 
more so so than I think platforming needs to be 2D. And I don't think the I think Celeste would obviously be the better game in 2D still, but I feel like a 3D platformer in the vein of Celeste would be better than the 2D Until Dawn. So I'm gonna go with Celeste. Interesting. I think I would choose Until Dawn for. Not the opposite reason, but a kind of a, a slightly different reason. And that's because, in general, I feel like 3D platformers aren't as good as 2D platformers. They are... It's impossible. You can't have a pixel-perfect 3D platformer like you can a Mega Man or a Celeste or something like that with that kind of precision just because of the width of the platforms. People can land anywhere, and the controls are harder, that kind of stuff. So I feel like Celeste just would not have anywhere near the same impact in 3D that it would in 2D. So I would choose the 2D pixel art version of Until Dawn just so I could preserve Celeste in my heart as it is. <laughs> That's a factor too. I care more about Celeste than I do about Until Dawn. Yeah. Faux show. Yeah. Here's the next one. This next one was inspired uh, in a very similar way by 2D pixel art versions of things that were 3D. And it's uh, from the NSYNC game. <laughs> the NSYNC get to the show game. <laughs> I'm going to put the screenshot in the, uh, in the stream right now so people can see it. So on Game Boy Color, there was a game that we learned about existed uh, on AAWI this morning called NSYNC get to the show where you get to play hacky sack with the boys. You get to be on stage. You get to do a bunch of other <laughs> random shit with the people of NSYNC. But the way that it looks is just so disgusting to me. So I had the screenshot in here <laughs> and I've decided how can we make other things this disgusting? So you have two options for this Holden. Would you rather watch all of Les Mis, which is like a three hour musical using the same art style as we see here in the NSYNC photo? It's so like people have like just one pixel black dot for eyes and it's disgusting looking. So you have to watch all three hours of Les Mis, which is a musical, which I know you hate. Or would you rather watch a two hour real life musical written and performed by eighth graders about Roblox? So take something great like Les so, Mis, make it really, yeah. really, really ugly. Or take something like Roblox made by eighth graders and you watch it in real life. I feel like so with musicals, the my issue my issue with musicals, I like them on stages because it's amazing to have that presented in front of you. Mm -hmm. Like no cuts, no altering. It's all happening in front of you right there. And they're doing it again tomorrow night and the night after and after that and after that and after that for like months. So like, I have a lot of respect for that. With movies, and this is gonna be true for the 2D uh ugly pixel art version as well as the magic is lost because I know it's a film. I know what they can do to make that easier. I know that you know, they messed up the choreography, but they'll just cut away, show something else for a second and then come back to when that mistake didn't happen. And like the, the magic is lost and the magic would be wholly lost watching it as a 2D <laughs> pixel art. Like, so like, no, no way. But watching kids enact Roblox, like Roblox in front of me, like if my brothers were there, like that would be hilarious. That'd be so funny and just enjoyable to see like just children having a good time laughing and doing whatever you do in roblox i just think that would be really funny and like charming to watch that sounds like my nightmare <laughs> <laughs> like i am a kind of person 
I hate seeing, especially in live performance, I hate seeing anything that's awkward, like someone forgetting a line in the middle of a of a show, or like a comedian like completely bombing, it's or an audition going terribly. It's what like literally the most uncomfortable thing I can possibly think about, and I've been in the room for a lot of those types of things. Um, so watching something that I know was not only performed by but written by eighth graders about Roblox. You couldn't pay me to sit in two hours of that. <laughs> it's it's going to be absolutely terrible. And I'm not the kind of I'm not the kind of person who like also like you love the room, uh, where you can mm -hmm. go and just watch things yeah. that you know are going to be terrible and still get enjoyment out of it. That's like, for me, it's just miserable no matter what. But with this really shitty version of Les Mis, I know at least <laughs> I'm going to have talented people singing it, and I can listen to their soundtrack while whatever god awful pixel art goes. Like look at Joey Fatone's face in this. <laughs> it's it's so gross um but i still don't know at least the show is good the music is it i can basically just close my eyes and imagine i'm listening to the soundtrack so you actually just made me change my mind i'm gonna go with lame is but for the opposite of what you'd expect because i like the room and watching really bad things now that actually sounds really fucking funny like <laughs> doing the really long like you know like i, I haven't you know i haven't listened to lame is i don't really know much about it but like the long drawn out notes being held but as a pixel character oh my god that sounds hilarious <laughs> um what's the um song that anne hathaway sings that she like got nominated for an oscar for a performance she like, won the oscar for that and it was all whatever. shot in one take too which was amazing and what's the tigers like, come at night yes that one seeing that with a little pixel character walking around like <laughs> the epicness of the music and all that and then just like a little pixel art dude like running around like, oh my god that sounds hilarious yeah she's mind. i'm gonna do that one dope <laughs> next movie night matt put it on the server <laughs> uh great that's it for game on game show and that is it for episode 170 of respawn aim fire thank you everyone for watching and listening um and thank you any if there's anyone out there who has literally been with us for all 170 episodes or has gone back and listened to all 170 episodes i want you to do two things first i want you to walk down to your local convenience store Second, I want you to steal as many things as you can and get out of the door <laughs> safely. <laughs> and three, I want you to sit on the couch and rewatch 170 episodes consuming your goods that you've stolen. Just kidding. Don't do any of that. I do not condone thievery. Please don't do that. But uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, go play Ghost of Tsushima. Go play Paper Mario. Go play games. We'll see you next week for Ring Fit Stuff for our barf discussion on Fable Anniversary, and for episode 177. But until then, here's our usual sign-off. And the tigers come at night.